Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another fantastic episode. My name is Joy Christopoulos, and today I am so excited to have this guest on right here. You might know him from the Sports Card Nonsense podcast on The Ringer, but we're here to also talk about Card Shop Live. He is Mike Geo himself. Mike, thank you so much for coming on to the show. How are you today? I was so excited to be here. I showed up at 4.30 because I forgot Pacific time is after Central time. Four hours early, man. I was ready to roll at 4.30, and I came back at 8.30, so... I apologize. I, that, I apologize that we didn't have the bar ready and set up for you. Uh, we were still we were still setting up for the day, <laughs> but no, that's what happens with time zones, man. And a lot of people think I'm from Chicago, but unfortunately, I live in LA. Thank you so much for hopping on. Um, you know, let's. Uh, I want to. I want to try and bring my audience uh, into your world. I know a lot of people know about you, but if they do not, let's uh, let's just do the softball stuff and let's talk a little bit about your journey. Uh, just kind of reading past interviews a little bit. Uh, you had a pivot point in the year 2012 where things really started to change, and I have a guess that this is where you are today. Can you just walk my audience uh, through a little bit of, you know, what happened during that span of time, and what is the passion that turned into the idea that turned into Car Shop Live today? Yeah, so just a quick elevator version. I mean, I grew up as like a nerdy poor kid in Boston who loved sports, so me and my brother were all about baseball cards. Ken Griffey Jr. was like our idol at the time. Uh, you know, grew up collecting until I got to high school. And again, the aforementioned nerdiness and then also collecting baseball cards was a, a recipe to getting shoved in a locker. So I dropped the hobby for years in high school. And then when I came out, got married, had no money, kind of started getting back into it again in about 2012, just for fun. Like, hey, I'm going to buy and sell some cards like this side hustle, you know, Craigslist and just for fun. And then it just kind of spiraled after that. I was doing construction full time. This thing started, you know, making money, buying and selling baseball cards as an adult. And then 2016 rolled around and it was like, hey, it was a weird conversation. But I told my wife, I was like, hey, Hannah, like I'm I'm done doing construction. I'm going to sell my accounts and we're going to actually do this full time. Um, so I started getting into just buying a t almost like an online card shop, buying single cards, buying boxes, packs to to resell and all of that. And then when COVID hit in 2020, the market spiked crazy high, which nobody expected. I was shocked. So I sold the business and that was kind of my walk away and started doing a podcast to goof around because I needed something to do. I did the retired thing for like a week and was just, I have wicked HDAD, ADHD. So when I was just running around like a hyper spaz with nothing to do. And so we started recording podcasts and just goofing around. That thing got picked up. And then, uh, yeah, it became, hey, why don't we get back into the card space a little more full time and, and make a marketplace that makes sense for people, you know, coming in off the street. And that's that's kind of where the card shop live idea came from. Yeah. And on the seventh day, he he built a business <laughs> out of his retirement. He said, I cannot right. I cannot move forth. Um, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I heard about I heard about the the hobby coming back in about I think it was like May of 2020. Yep. And I, ha I had to do a double take and, and we're going to get into it. And before we get into card shop live, you know, I. I was a heavy collector all throughout the 90s. Uh, you know, I was I was an obsessive collector of running to the mailbox and looking for that Beckett guide every single month and then flipping <laughs> through it finger by finger, you know what I mean? And then getting the packs and the anticipatory nature. And and that passion, that thing, the fact that the card that the card hobby came back is so amazing because now you've turned it into something like Card Shop Live. Can you just talk about like you said it came back in 2020. Is that really when you got the whiff that this was kind of really coming back? Because this sort of feels like something, I don't know, man, it feels like classic rock or something. Like kids are discovering <laughs> guitars all sure. over again. And suddenly now uh, the stuff that, that I loved 20 years ago was cool again. And I got I to gotta take what I can get. It's pretty amazing. 
Yeah, so it came back kind of in stages. Honestly, the first thing that really set the, the market off where it was, Judge and Bellinger. 2017, these two guys kind of come wow. out of nowhere, start smashing home runs, and all of a sudden, everybody's running to rip open packs that may have a, a, a super expensive rookie of those two guys. It was just a perfect storm. L.A. and the Yankees, like two huge markets, massive prospects. And so that was really what kind of started to set it off. 20, 2018 rolls around. We hear about this kid who's going to be the next Babe Ruth. This, this Japanese pitcher who can also hit bombs. And again, it's kind of like, okay, so now we've got some of the Asian market coming over and there's this guy, Otani. And I mean, we pulled a $35,000 Otani card out of a pack of cards for a guy. He was at my house that night. He flew from Pennsylvania to Nashville. He's like, I got to pick this up. Like we can't ship a $30,000 card. Flew down to Dallas to get it graded, like professionally encapsulated. Again, just kind of took the market by storm. It was crazy. 2019, again, hey, there's the greatest... Um, basketball prospect ever. Luka Doncic is the next Larry Bird. And oh, by the way, Zion is coming the year after that. It was really a perfect storm. And then 2020, and to your point, like there's a bunch of us middle 30 age. We're both upper 30s, but we're going middle 30 for this discussion. You know, mid 30s guys, I loved, you know, you're talking, I'm sure you're a Bulls guy. You know, I'm a Celtics yeah. guy. I'm going back to get my Paul Pierce card and you're going back to get your Scottie Pippen. And the last dance is on TV. So 2020, and we're all stuck at home with nothing to do but sit in front of our computers. That's when it went absolutely nuclear. Yeah, and I'm thinking about the dichotomy now. We can't even watch sports either. All we can do right. is just look back and celebrate, right? And yep. all of a sudden, it, that's where maybe the market comes from, which leads to you launching Card Shop Live. Um, you know, I got the opportunity since we booked the interview. Uh, I've got my app open. I've been checking it out. And, 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 and it's fantastic. I mean, it's so... It's so user friendly, but it's also really like, it's also enthusiast friendly. I mean, you guys are running lives multiple times a day, whether they are breaker lives or just commentary about cards and all that other good stuff. You guys make the auctioning super easy. And I have heard you mention in previous en interviews, what was really important about you, for you launching the site, and I wanna hear it too as well, is that you guys have an expert level of finding vetted sellers. So when someone in my position goes, hey, I wanna get back into this game a little bit, I think that's a really big, that's a really big, important step for me to know that you have that we have the trust of these vetted sellers coming in. So just talk a little bit about Card Shop Live and, and the principles that are important to you when you launch the site or the, excuse me, the app. Yeah, I mean, so that was number one, right? Uh, we had advertised for other apps at the time that were coming up. And, and uh, you know, with the podcast audience, too, it's a bunch of guys who are sports fans and we're not naive, right? Like 90 percent of our audience was Simmons spillover. So these are just sports guys. But now they're kind of starting to get back into cards, novice-like. So you can't just send them anywhere because obviously you walk in not knowing you can get taken advantage of easily. And that was starting to happen. Like some of the places we were advertising for, people were getting scammed and run across shady people. And I, I have just a, you know, not, not a great thing, but I have this. I mean, it was to the point some of these guys were scamming so bad. We were calling people. I would go live on the podcast. This is before the ringer. And we would just call people's places of work. Or we call people's parents. <laughs> like it happened multiple times. We got a couple. We got a couple legal notices actually because we weren't telling people we were recording. It was a whole big thing. But I was like, if you're gonna rip off my people, like I'm gonna, we're gonna find you. Like that's what we're gonna do. And we're not gonna beat you up, but we are gonna, we're gonna call your workplace. Whatever. I'm getting winded. This is why I don't do podcasts at night, Joey. I'm all wired up on Monster now. Um, but yeah, that so that became to me. It has to be a safe place to go. Like period. And if something happens, the sellers will make it right for you. And if by some miracle they won't, then this psychopath with a massive podcast is going to go crazy and call you at work and call your parents and, and I'll make it right for them. And that really became the elevator pitch. And it's like, well, what makes you guys different or better? 
It's so unsexy. We are a secure marketplace. Security makes us better, in my opinion. That really was the founding principle of the app. Yeah, and you talk about uh, the excitement and the importance, but you know how is it is it difficult to maintain that? Let's just call it an aesthetic balance between trying to bring in someone who wants to get into the game a little bit versus the someone who you know dedicates their life or has that passion, has been in it for years and years. You know, just like anything in life, some people want it at a certain level here. Other people need to be introduced to it at a certain level right there. How difficult is it to strike that balance with Card Shop Live? Yeah, it's hard because, like, if you don't know what breaking is, which is online opening of packs and stuff, you could walk into a room on Card Shop Live and be totally lost. And then you find yourself bidding on something you don't even know what you're really bidding on. So it is difficult to kind of – that's a super tough balance, no question. If I'm just selling single cards at auction, people are pretty familiar with that. But when it gets into unopened product – so what we try to do is incorporate the content on the podcast and even post some of it on Card Shop Live. Hey, this is a 101. This is what breaking is. This is what this type of box, you know, the type of hits it might yield. Or, you know, these are some products just to stay away from because they're crap. So the education part is definitely uh, intricate with, with new people coming in. Um, forgive me. We got a novice question coming your way. And I think this is going to be instructive for the audience here. But when we talk about grading, Yep. Um, you know, can you just kind of break down to the audience just very briefly the definition of what grading is and guys, it's one to 10, but can you also talk about for my question is, you know, what is the scale difference between if it's not a 10 from gotcha. nine to five and what kind of, what kind of profit, what kind of marketability could your, could your collection of cards have? Yeah. So grading is a very simple concept. You send your card in when you pull it from a pack, it is raw untouched. It's just a raw condition card. You would send that card to one of the major companies, PSA, SGC, um, BGS. Those are the three big companies that grade. They take your card. They check first, is it authentic? Was this the actual card pulled from a pack, not counterfeit, not a reprint? What are the conditions, the corners, the surface, uh, the centering of the card? And then they grade those one through 10. Uh, and, and becomes permanently encapsulated in a hard plastic, you know, uh, with a label on it, again, detailing what the card is and what the grade is. So it's great for preservation and for safety, but then there's a huge value bump. You know, a card that might come out of the uh, a pack raw, uh, I'm trying to think of a good, Louis Robert's a Chicago guy. Louis Robert, when he was hot a year and a half ago, really hot, you could pull his, one of his rookie cards, it was 10 to 15 bucks as, as you pull it from the pack, you send it to the right grading company and it grades at 10. I mean, for a while during this crazy pandemic, it was like an 8 to 10x multiplier. You're paying 20 bucks to grade it, and a $15 card is now $150 or more. It, Michael Jordan's another example. A Michael Jordan rookie card sitting on some guy's desk that I don't know if it's real or fake. Maybe somebody pays a few hundred dollars and takes a shot. That same card is a PSA 10 is a six-figure card, 250000 yeah. right now. So it, is a, it makes a totally, yeah, all the difference in the world in terms of value. And, you know, just to, just looking back, you know, I remember from my my uncles and my fathers in the 60s and the 70s, you know, they would always bitch and moan that they used to put their Mickey Mantle cards between their bike spokes. Right. Um, how did you uh, were you uh, were you conscious and were you uh, diligent about how you protected your cards growing up? Uh, do you have some that maybe you wish like shit, man, if I had just if I knew what I knew back then uh, where you'd be now? Do you have any stories like that? Yeah, so so uh, famously for me that Tom Brady, a Boston guy, grew up. You know, I'm, I was born in '86, so in 2000 when he started playing, he's basically been the quarterback my entire life. Uh, I had some rookie cards, a, a ton of his autographs, rookie cards, different stuff. When they, you know, everybody now, hey, he's the goat, it's the best quarterback of all time, all that nonsense. 
Well, yeah, but from 04, 05 to, to 2014, he hadn't won a Super Bowl. He did nothing but lost two. And then it was like, well, they're over the hill. He's over the hill. You know, maybe he's better than Montana. In well, it was it was Brady versus Manning. It, that's what it was during that yep. era, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And then it's like yeah. he starts getting to extra Super Bowls. Oh, he's getting maybe Montana, but him and Manning. There's this whole thing. And then he wins in 2014, and his values went crazy. $300 autographs were worth 1000 So I did. I cleaned house. I sold just about everything I had. Um, and there was one card in particular. It's a really well-known rookie. There's only 100 of them autographed the way this one is. I sold it for 7500 bucks, which was like five, six times what I paid. I was thrilled, you know, making 30 grand a year. Now I make 25% of that selling a baseball card. I was pumped. And that card today, so eight years later, is probably, and this isn't a down market, it's probably worth 750 to 800000 that's oh. my that's my worst. Oh, Absolutely, yeah, my worst. a couple zeros, couple zeros were added there. All yeah, right. so I've got a few. All all Brady stuff though. Everything with me is Brady. Yeah. Wow. Um. You know, we've got a couple more minutes here with Mike Geo. Here we're talking about Card Shop Live. Uh. The the exclusive app, the app that you need to go check out, especially if you want to get into the card collector game. Uh. Even if you is your past, even if you're present, even if it is your future right now. Um. Uh, just a really fantastic app to to make you get into the sport. Also, help you auction, buy some cards too, as well as we mentioned with vetted sellers, and also get some information too. They're lot, doing lives all day long. Uh, I want to ask you about a couple of, uh, you know, just some kind of market projections and kind of get your take on them a little bit. Uh, we'll start with uh, the '90s kid question. Um, do you ever see a world? So there are these rumors right now um, about what the Hall of Fame, the Baseball Hall of Fame, is going to be doing in the next couple of months with. I'm going to get the word wrong, but it seems like a special board committee of some kind that might have a world where Bonds, Clemens, a lot of these guys, Sosa, a lot of these guys end yep. up getting in. What, you know, to bring our audience into what is the market right now for them? And is there ever a world where their cards begin to retain value and tell a guy who's got a Barry Bonds rookie card that maybe he's got a future here? Yeah, I mean, so Bonds is a crazy example. I would argue he's the greatest. I'm a Griffey fan, number one. I would argue yes. Bonds is still the greatest player I've ever seen. And I, I think he's the greatest player of all time. Juicing, not juicing, whatever. The guy walked every you know, every other at bat and still hit 70-plus home runs. Like, it's insane, the stuff he did. Like, he's unbelievable. His OBP is nuts. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's stupid. It's stupid. Gold gloves, MVPs, the whole nine yards. Yeah. But he's not getting in the hall because he's, he's dirty, you know, according to some. Which is probably true. I mean, realistically, probably true. I don't. If I look at that when I'm 40 years old, I'll be pretty happy. That guy was bench pressing 800 pounds at the end. Um, but in terms of his card value, so there's been there was a crazy spike in 2020 because nostalgia. That was the number one drive for the whole market bump. I'm going back to get my guy in the 90s, Griffey Bonds, huge spike. And then some guys came down really hard. Everything has come down to where we're at now. We're we're at just about a two year low. A lot of that's to do with the recession, the economy. Um, but the guys who came down even harder were the Bonds type. Griffey, say what you want about him, he's in Cooperstown. He, he's cemented. That's a legacy. With Bonds, it's like, right, so in 20 years, who's going to remember this guy who was unbelievable but isn't in the Hall of Fame? Almost like the Pete Rose effect. Pete Rose is better than a lot of his peers. A lot of his peers outsell him because they're in Cooperstown. They have a good mm -hmm. legacy. So if Bonds ever got in, if McGuire, Sosa, all those guys, if they ever got in, there would always be that initial bump, like, hey, they're finally getting in. And then even if, say, they've jumped 45%, okay, after that dies down, they're still going to be 20% higher than before they got in. So there would be a substantial bump if any of those guys ever made the haul. Yeah, and it's the power of perception, right? You can talk about production and numbers all day long, but then 
when it's a seller's market or, you know what I mean? What it, or even if it ever turns into a buyer's market for a Barry Bonds, you know, what, what does that even look like? You know, he gets into the hall. Great. What are we still saying? We're still talking about the same story. Still talking about the sure. same narrative. Um, I want to get two more futures with you right now. Chicago, Chicago question. Um, it seems like we've been in it for the last four or five, six weeks right now. Talk to us about Justin Fields. Um, have for collectors, Man. is it already is it already crested or is it just the beginning? Um, because all of a sudden now he's making national headlines. And do the Chicago Bears have a quarterback? I, I'm crossing my fingers and I hope so. Yeah, he, he's a crazy case. So the 2021 class hit at the, at the perfect time. Last year when that draft happens, you know, it's pretty rare you have the potential. It didn't work out ever at the same time, but the potential of six starting quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are blue chip stocks. Everything else is penny stocks compared. You could have the 15th rated quarterback in the league, and he's still going to outsell the number one receiver in the league. There's just that mm. position commands the most market respect in the hobby. Wow. And so last year was absolutely wild. Trevor Lawrence was the most anticipated and highly hyped prospect ever in the hobby. You know, he had just number one of all time, no question. Mac Jones comes out of nowhere and plays great or plays good. I'd like to say he played great. You know, Zach Wilson. Trey Lance, Justin Fields had a bunch of hype coming out and then it was pretty disappointing last year. So the hobby fell off because it was like all of a sudden it goes from this kid who's the future and then people started second guessing, man, I spent a ton of money on this 22 year old. If he can't play, my investment's going to be crazy upside down. So he fell off super hard in value in the off season. And that continued the first few weeks of this year. And then the last month, now people are saying, okay, they're not winning it this year. They're not doing anything this year, wins and losses but is this the next Lamar Jackson type? And if that's the case, now you get people kind of do that betting on the future thing. Well, if he's Lamar, I'd rather pay 10% more now because in two years, he's going to be worth 10X anyways. What does it matter? So the market is crazy with him right now. It's pretty high. If you're high on him, you hold him because it's going to go up. But if you think this is a flash in the pan, it's a great time to sell because he's high right now. And isn't that the projection, right? You're trying to figure out who's going to win the MVP in the next five years that's not named yep. Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. And that's if he it. might have that thing, I kind of call it like the Burrow bump, right? Like he didn't win the Super Bowl, but Joe Burrow now, Huge. I mean, clearly when you when you get to the big dance, when you win something, when you have that kind of accomplishment, right? I mean, that just changes the market for the player in, in the game, right? Absolutely. And Mahomes is the best example of that. Quiet 2017. But now if he never plays again, he's been to two Super Bowls and he's got a Super Bowl ring and an MVP. Like, it doesn't take much, and so then it's, okay, how do I identify the next guy early? Trevor Lawrence was easy. Hey, he's probably going to be that guy. Is it Trey Lance? Is it Justin Fields? Is it Zach Wilson? Who's the other guy I can buy, and although it's expensive today, in two years is going to make it look like nothing? Yeah, and of course, we have Jalen Hurts to talk about this year. You know, Justin Herbert was a guy that had uh, clearly has a very bright future, wide-open possibility for MVP in the next five to eight years. Yep. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I want to hit you with two more before we get you out of here. First one, you talked a little bit about, you know, uh, you know, the general, the broad general uh, concept of the recession going on right now, um, the market for the hobby at this current point. Does Wembenyama, does Wembenyama change this? Does he swing all this? Is he the, is he the golden goose? And and how is the market preparing for him? Because there's no cards being printed of him, correct? I mean, he doesn't have Nothing a true yet. rookie card. Correct. Yeah. So, I mean. Everyone's got to be kind of projecting and looking out to this thing and saying this could also be a new game changer that propels the market moving forward. Yeah, I mean, the talk right now is he's going to be the highest selling prospect to come out, right? Because <laughs> the only other guys you can really compare him to are Z the years in 2019 is when this started. So Zion was unbelievable, unlike anything we'd ever seen. 2020, LaMelo came out very high. 
Ant-Man as well, but not as high as Zion. Last year, good class, but nothing crazy in terms of value. So yeah, next year, and then it really just becomes a, a bigger issue. It, you know, is the economy totally in the toilet or are people kind of getting back to where they're spending money again on, on secondary items like cards? But I mean, if you're asking me right now, I think we're going to see a market like like we haven't seen since the Zion buzz of 2019. Yeah, I mean, at least the initial has got to stimulate has to be. Or at least seven... a nice little stretch, right? I watched the stinking headline of this kid last night, a highlight. He dribbled behind the three-point line, Euro-stepped, and didn't travel, which was shocking, and laid up the ball. I'm sitting here 5'6". I run full-court ball twice a week at the age of 36. <laughs> I could dribble 11 times from past the three-point line and not get a layup. This joker is like crossing people up at the three-point line and finishing layup. He looks stupid good. I mean, I, and he can shoot. I, I don't know. He could be wild. I need to stop yourself right there. You still put your foot on the on the baseline right there, and you take a charge. So give yourself. Oh, I, oh I'd level him. Wembenyama weighs about a buck thirty. I would lay him out after he jumped over me, but he he does. He looks. That's a skill set you don't see often. So it's I hope one of those. Ca- it's it. one of those uh, carnival houses, right? When you walk in and everything's a stretch up to the top. Does it matter what team he goes to, or you don't think that's really going to matter? It used to. Small market teams killed markets, but since then, like I look at the guys who have done unbelievable in the hobby. Trevor Lawrence, well, nobody cares about the Jags, Zion and the Pelicans, Ja and the Grizzlies, and then even Wanda Franco, a, a crazy expensive hobby superstar mm. for, for Tampa Bay. So it, it used to, but I, I don't really think that has much effect on the, on the negative side. On the positive, yeah, if somehow he goes to the Lakers, okay, it's next level. But even if he goes to the Wizards, I, I don't think it matters too, too much, quite frankly. Yeah, and just to take a quick guess, I would imagine on the Mariners, the Rodriguez kid that just run the rookie of the year too as well. That Kill probably him. doesn't matter on market, right? Yeah. No, so. he's I mean his stuff is through the roof. He's unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. So final question here from Mike Gio, uh, the host of Sports Card Nonsense, also the uh the CEO and leader of uh, uh Sports Card app, or excuse me, Sports Card Live. Um, my final one for you is just this is a personal one for me. Um I grew up with a little place about two blocks around uh around the corner from my house. It's called Pastimes. They sold comic books and cards. It was the greatest place on the planet Earth. You give yep. me 10 bucks right there, and I'm going to spend two hours just painstakingly figuring out what I'm going to do. Um, I know that we've moved to this digital world, but you know, you're, you've got your pulse on it. Is there ever a world outside of conventions where you think these stores might be able to thrive, live, and be a part of communities again? Yeah, you know, and honestly, I think they're doing that now. I mean, I, I, a lot of guys are still attached to card shops. I, same way, Comic Book Palace. It was comic books, ten for you know, two for a dollar or whatever it was, and they yeah. sold baseball cards. Yeah. I could get it online, but I don't get to meet a shop owner. You know, the the personal relationship stuff. I, I do think, I don't think that ever goes out of business. You know, I, I hope not because I think it's a huge part of the hobby. So uh, some are doing really well. It's like anything else, though, guys. Some guys just refuse to ever change, and that's fine if you can keep making it work. But a lot of guys now, you'll see even old, guys older than me. In a card shop during the day when it's slow, they fire up their camera and they're live on a, a card shop live app or they're live on Facebook. They've expanded into other areas because, you know, it expand and, you know, expand or die, right? Like at some point you have to adapt. And so I, a lot of guys do a good job of blending that. We have a, a physical store, but hey, we get into some online selling as well. Yeah, and just, you know, I, I wanted to impart upon you a personal story. You know, growing up, one of my most instructive lessons was I wasn't a kid that really stole stuff. But the only time I would ever steal stuff was packs of cards from a local Target. 
and man, it was so guilty and the, the pleasure, the, the rush of it happening. And it really was this thing that I still think about to, the, to this day of like I did and I felt dirty. I decided to not steal for the rest of my life because you get the cards, you finally crack them open and it's filled with fucking Chris Sabo. Or, <laughs> or like, was, well how many Antonio McDices do I need? I'm not sure. I'm not really sure. And it was that it was that weird instructive lesson. And I learned that through through collecting cards. Yeah. Um, well, Mike, uh, thank you so much for taking the time, man. Uh, really gracious. You know, congratulations on all the success. I absolutely love the podcast. You can check it out on this little thing that we call The Ringer. It's sports card nonsense. But please uh, just do, a, do us a big favor with our audience. Just kind of uh, promote however whatever content you want if you want a Twitter handle. But really just also just talk about Card Shop Live, too, as well. Um, congratulations again, man. With you, uh, wish you nothing but the best in the future. And uh, maybe you can come back sometime. Yeah, I, hey, happy to come back, man, anytime. Uh, as far as promotion, I'm terrible at this. I don't know. Card Shop Live, find it somewhere. It's in the App Store. Uh, sports cards nonsense is, you know, same thing. Google it. I don't know. I appreciate you having me on, taking the time. I enjoy talking hobbies. So, uh, yeah, yeah, dude, thank you so much. And That's I, I'm going to help. Talk about a useless plug right there. Go I'm find help, it somewhere. I'm going to help you out, man, because you know we're working with your team right now, and they're going to be providing me a link that I'm going to also attach to the the publishing of this episode. Uh, nice. Well, I think it's if you use Joey Sports Guy. Uh, the opportunity, if you do sign up uh, for Card Shop Live, we're going to help you with some breaker credits uh, for, for my audience. Come on in. Just check it out. Browse. Think of it like my pastimes. This is just like go. it is just like that old school store. At a click of a button, you can just walk around, and you maybe you can bid on uh, some cards of some of your favorite athletes and players. Uh, Mike, thank you again for coming on, and be well. Yes, sir. You too. Thank you. Uh, everyone, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. we got plenty more coming up soon. A lot of Bears talk. Justin Fields got hurt today. We're going to cover that all the rest of this week. Uh, until then, uh, take care, and we will talk soon. Do you believe? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.